Would you please open your Bible study to lesson two, God's perfect will for you. Last week we started by looking at three foundational scriptures about healing. Uh, a word that was a prophetic word in Isaiah that talked about Jesus paying the price in full for our healing and that by his stripes we were healed. We looked at where that word was fulfilled when Jesus was walking on this earth in the book of Matthew when it said the word was confirmed here, right here in this place when Jesus healed everybody who was in need. And the word was that he carried our infirmities. He carried, he paid for our sicknesses. And I'm paraphrasing right now. I'm not giving you the exact words. But the word from Isaiah was fulfilled right there through Jesus. And then we looked at another scripture in Peter when the church was birthed. And it was showing how that word was going forth with the apostles. And the same word was used by the stripes of Jesus we were healed. Jesus took our sins into his body on the cross. And by his stripes we were healed because the cross includes what jesus did on the cross includes wholeness we looked at that amazing word in the bible sozo and the fullness of god's plan for us the full plan for us in our spirit salvation in our soul the wounds that are in our hearts or our minds or our thoughts and in our body spirit soul and body the word sozo covers it all and we looked at the bible evidence of that so that's kind of what we did last week this week this is fun this week what we're going to do is we're going to look at the fact that not only is it god's will to heal but it is always god's will to heal so let's take a start let's let's i want to just kind of frame this with the purpose of our lesson. So I'm going to go ahead and read the, the summary of our lesson. In lesson one, we established the biblical foundation that it is indeed God's will that you are healed. Once again, we look into the absolute truth of God's word to see his perfect will is to heal all who are in need, always. Let me say that again. His perfect will is to heal all who are in need, always but in this world we see sickness everywhere so the purpose of this lesson is to differentiate between god's perfect will and his permissive will and we're also going to explore the why the why then why cindy then why god then why do we see sickness then why do we see people who aren't healed so we're going to explore that tonight when i came to understand a little bit and i don't have to understand at all because I've given up my right to understand a lot of things. I just trust. But God has shown us, and according to his word, and we're going to go to the Bible, according to his word, there are biblical things that get in the way of our healing. It's not God, though. <laughs> it's not God's will. It's not God's perfect will. So we're going to look at that. And when I came to know this, it put me in a position of authority. It put me in a position to know, okay, then if the enemy's going to attack here, I'm not going to let him because I have authority over him. So it, it frees you, even though it, you're saying, okay, there's a cause. But it frees you to get outside of that cause and into the perfect will of God for every area of your life, not just for healing, but for the abundance of life that he planned for us. So let's start 
Foundation One, we're going to kind of quickly go through some awesome scriptures about Jesus healing all who are in need. I, I put these in order so they're a little easier for you to follow, and we're going to start with Matthew chapter 4. Get out your pen or your highlighter or your pencil or whatever you're going to write with in your Bible and in your Bible study. Yes, it's okay to write in your Bible, at least according to Cindy it is. If you ask Kent, he might say no. He doesn't write in his Bible, but I do. First chapter of Matthew, I'm sorry, fourth chapter of Matthew, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them all. And the next verse goes on to say, great multitudes followed him. The reason I always like to go to that next verse or the previous verse or sometimes within the verse is because every one of these verses I'm going to share with you has the word multitude somewhere, either before, in it, or after it. He healed all who were in need. And there were a multitude there. Multitude is a whole lot of people. There's prob- and a multitude is probably more than we have here. It's, I believe, hundreds, thousands of people. And he healed them all. There are 17 accounts in the Bible, in the Gospels, where Jesus healed all who were in need. We're not going to read all 17, but we're going to read several of them. The next one I'd like to read is in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Verse 18. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Once again, multitudes of people. This is that scripture I was referring to earlier. That is the prophetic word was fulfilled from Isaiah. It means it was completed. It means the prediction was proven right here all who were in need were healed okay let's look at matthew chapter 9 this one i added so you might want to write this one down verse 35 and 36 then jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. There were multitudes of people, and he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. Notice that he went about teaching and preaching. God's just been stirring something up in my heart lately that that this, what we do here, is a big deal. The teaching and the preaching about healing is a big deal to God. And the healing, healing is often a result of just sitting right where you're at without even having hands laid on because the truth of God's word is being birthed in you, something new. And guess what that is? It's faith. 
That's what our part is. God's done his part. Our part is to just believe him. Just trust him. And as you come to know his truth, and as you come to know him and his character, something happens in you. How many of you can say, I'm not the same person I was before. There's something new in me. I get to see that. That's why I love, I love this healing ministry that we're in. Because not only do we get to see people healed and share all those testimonies like we shared tonight, I also get to see new life. That's my prayer. Souls saved, bodies healed, and lives abundantly changed. Amen. Amen. And that's what Jesus did. He preached, he taught, and he healed. Okay, the next one is Matthew chapter 12. Starting with verse 15. Actually, just verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. He healed them all. Okay, let's go to verse, I'm sorry, chapter 19 of Matthew. Verse 1 and 2. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Once again, multitude of people, and he healed the multitude. He healed them there. Okay, we're going to go to Luke now, chapter 6. I didn't bring it with me, but I have a list of all 17 accounts where Jesus healed them all. Sometimes I just literally take all of them, and I've got them all typed out on a Word document so I don't have to flip, and I just read them all right in a row. I just sit and read them. And when I do, the, the, the power of God just flows. It's like he's just telling me, say, see, Cindy? See, see, I told you. <laughs> And I just read one after another after another. I read them out loud. And it just, oh, it's awesome. It just power, powerfully builds me up when I read those. Okay, so this is Luke 6, verse 17 and 19. 17 through 19. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed them all. And the last one I want to read is Luke 9, verse 11. 9, verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. Now this happens, this last account, happens to be right before he feeds the 5,000. The next verse says, And then when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said, Send the multitude away because there's no food for them. 
This is when he fed the 5,000. Right before it talks about um, multiplying the bread and the fish, it talks about him healing everybody who is in need. Now, from, the, from the, the, what we know about the way that the Bible was written, they didn't count the women and the children. They only counted the men. So here it says that there were 5,000. They were really closer, according to what the, the historians believe, they were closer to about 13,000 when you include the women and the children. And he healed everybody in need. So in this particular example, we know that the multitude was multiple thousands of people. And he healed them. He received them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God includes healing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Father God on earth as it is in heaven. He directed us to pray that way. Your kingdom come, God, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no sickness. I guarantee you there's no sickness in heaven. He says, pray that my will be done here, just as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God. He was preaching. Jesus was preaching on the kingdom of God and healing everybody who was in need. The question. Do you think there were any sinners in that multitude? God healed them. Do you think that there were, do you think that everybody in that multitude had perfect faith? No. But he healed them all, right? Jesus never refused to heal anyone. In that multitude, he didn't divide them, the sheep's over here and the goats over here and say okay I have all you the sheeps but the goats mm -mm, it's not your day no he healed everybody there that was in need he didn't turn people away in any of these accounts and any of the other accounts where he healed individuals he didn't turn people away he never told anyone that it was God's will for them to be sick so that they could learn a lesson you'll never see that in the Gospels the Gospels reveal the heart of God. Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, reveals the will of God. And we're going to show that right now in the next set of scriptures that we're going to look at. Foundation 2. Foundation 2. Jesus was the perfect reflection of the Father. Let's look at what the Bible says about Jesus being the perfect reflection of Abba, Father. Would you please turn to Colossians chapter 1? Jesus healed all. He didn't pick and choose. He didn't say, it's not my will to heal you. He didn't say that you've sinned, so I can't heal you. He healed all who were in need. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness. That's good news. And has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. Now, 
He is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. The beginning of the scripture, it talks about being delivered out of darkness and into the light, delivered out of um, the control and the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. What does that mean? We've been delivered out of the control and dominion of darkness. Yes. We've been... Dominion means control. Dominion means authority. We've been delivered out of the control and the authority of the enemy. And we have been transferred into a new kingdom. When does that happen? When? When we receive Jesus. It's the potential for everybody, but it's not the actual for everybody. It only becomes actual when you make the choice. God gave us a free choice. And part of that free choice is to say, just like I already said, our part is just to believe. God did his part. But our part is to believe. To believe Jesus is Jesus. To believe Jesus is the Son of God. To believe that Jesus came to live for us and to die for us. That we would die with Jesus and be resurrected with Jesus. That we have been as we receive Jesus as our Savior. That's what Savior means. He saved us. And that's when this happens. That's when we're transferred from one kingdom to the other. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That is critical, guys. I wasn't in that place when I was diagnosed with cancer. I was in the kingdom of darkness, and I didn't even know it. I was blinded. We're going to go to a scripture in a minute that talks about how the enemy has blinded people, literally put blinders on them so they don't even recognize that they're in the darkness. That's why leading somebody to Christ is the best miracle of all, the best miracle ever, because you know that that eternal life is theirs from that moment on. I received eternal life on February 19th, 2002. It started then and it goes on forever. Whenever you make that choice, believe it in your heart and declare it with your mouth. And you can't understand it here. You're never going to understand it here. It's a heart thing. It's not a head thing. So it wasn't supposed to be a salvation message, but <laughs> go out there and tell your friends. You guys know Denise, right? My friend Denise, the one that used to be on our ministry team here. She was visiting. She was here the last weekend, and I had lunch with her on Sunday. And um, after we had lunch, she was going to visit somebody. I'll tell you about it in a second. And I was going to visit Fred. So we were together. We prayed, and she went this place, and I went this place. And she texted me. After she, um, after she got back from her place that she was. Let me see if I still have it. I think I deleted it, but I can tell it to you. The person that she was ministering to is a woman who is, I don't know how old she is, but she has a one-year-old baby, 
and another little one and one that's in kindergarten. So from five to, to one. And she's been diagnosed with stage four melanoma and she's on hospice. And Denise has been trying to share with her the gospel. And she, she was making a choice not to receive it. But on Sunday, she prayed with her the prayer of salvation. Amen. Give God the glory. The most important healing ever because we know that she's going to go to heaven whether she she's healed on or not you know she doesn't know what we know about god's will to heal but she has received salvation okay we've been transferred we've been delivered we've been transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love but this is really where i wanted to go jesus jesus is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. Jesus is the exact representation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. So when we see what Jesus did in those accounts, that is a visible representation of who God is. If you don't know who God is, look at Jesus in the Bible. I'll go a step further. If you don't understand who God is, look at the healings that we see in here. That's a visible representation of who God is. And it's in front of your face. Okay. In fact, the next scripture is going to show us that. Would you go to the Gospel of John, please? 10. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much that you showed us, you showed us your love and you continue to show us. Verse 24. This is John 10, verse 24. So the Jews surrounded him and began asking him, how long are you going to keep us in doubt and suspense? If you really are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us so plainly and openly. Okay, Cindy. Is this, your, is this Jesus really Jesus? Prove it. This is what Jesus said when people asked him. This is what he answered them. I have told you so, yet you do not believe me. You do not trust me and rely on me. The very works that I do by the power of my Father and in my Father's name bear witness concerning me. They are my credentials and evidence in support of me. Jesus is giving God all the glory. He says, it's the Father's power working through me. It's not me. That's what we say when we pray. It's not us. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit through us. The same, the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus. Jesus was fully human being. He was fully man. The Holy Spirit anointed him to go and do those works. He didn't do works until he had the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that worked through Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that is here today, right now, present 
in this space, in this room. And wherever you go, if you have the Holy Ghost in you, which I think we all do. Jesus said, Jesus said, the very works that I do by the power of my Father and in my Father's name bear witness concerning me. They're my credentials. They're the evidence in support of me. I'm going to go on now to verse 30. I and the Father are one. So what Jesus did is the Father's will. If you're questioning if it's God's will, look at what Jesus did. That is evidence of his will. And I'm going to skip to verse 37 now. If I am not doing the works, performing the deeds of my Father, then do not believe me. Do not adhere to me or trust me or rely on me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me or have faith in me, at least believe the works and have faith in what I do in order that you may know in, in order that you may know and clearly understand the Father who is in me and I am in the Father, one with him. See, that's how you come to know the Father. That's how you come to know his will for you, his love for you, his compassion for you, is by seeing what Jesus did then and now. By seeing what he did for your mom. That gives you God's heart. It's revealed to you. His goodness is revealed to you. What he did with Laura. God's goodness being revealed in such an amazing way. What he did in me what he did in so many of you. God's heart, his heart is being revealed to us. Go home and meditate on that. His heart is so good. His will is for you to be whole, for me to be whole, for us to have that abundant life. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3? This one is an added verse that I want you to write down. We're talking about Jesus being the perfect representation of God and that if Jesus healed everybody, then that's God's will. Okay? Verse 3. It's talking about Jesus. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. That could be enough to go home with. <laughs> he is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outring or radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. That's Jesus. The perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature. And the last scripture that, that goes in this section, I'm not even going to look up because it's, we, we all know it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Take that one to the bank. What he did when he walked on this earth, he's not done. Some churches say that those things died out with the apostles. Baloney. Huh. That's baloney. I see evidence all over the place. Jesus is the same. 
So what he did, when he healed everybody when he was on this earth, when he didn't turn people away when they were, had sin or whatever, he didn't say, no, you're not good enough, or no, come back later, you know, get yourself cleaned up first. He didn't do that. He is the same today as he was then, and he will be the same tomorrow. He didn't say, you're not worthy. He said, oh, you are worthy. Just let me show you. I want to just skip ahead to something really quick, and then we're going to go to um, the next section. If you turn to page 17, you will see in this personal reflection part a whole bunch of scriptures. These are all of the accounts of healings that are in the Gospels. These aren't the 17 where he healed them all. That's a different set of scriptures. These are the scriptures of personal accounts of healing. And you can see how Jesus so lovingly with such a heart of compassion, reached out and healed people. All different ways. He didn't use a lot of words. He said, be healed. So that's just some food for thought. That's a step of, of, of faith to take God's word and say, okay, I'm going to read your word, God. I'm going to read what you did. I'll never forget when I was first diagnosed and Jenny gave me three healing scriptures, three of those. I gave you like... 20 of them. She gave me three of them. And she said, read these, Cindy. Read these every day and come expecting. I was going to a healing meeting, one healing meeting. There wasn't anything like this available when I was fighting what I was fighting. And she said, before you come to that healing meeting, read these scriptures. Get it in you what Jesus' will is for you. Okay. We're going to move ahead now to foundation three, and this is like the second half of the lesson. My watch died on me, so I have to use my phone to see what time it is. Okay. Foundation three. We're going to address the will of God, the perfect will of God versus the permissive will of God. God's perfect will is exactly what we've been talking about for the last lesson and today. God's perfect will is to heal. His perfect will is to always heal. His perfect will is that the package that he paid for on the price included healing, along with salvation, along with, with wholeness in our, life, in our life. That's his perfect will. This is his perfect will. His will is given to us in the Bible. I'm kind of halfway down the paragraph now, starting with the word however. However, God's perfect will does not mean that his desire would automatically come to pass. If that was true, well, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> and we wouldn't have sickness in the world. Because even though it's clearly his desire, he has given us a free will to make our own choices. So healing is guaranteed, but it's not automatic. We have to go turn in the warranty. We have to understand God and believe him at his word. God's permissive will, this is the next part here, refers to what God permits or allows to happen, even though he doesn't desire it to happen. Much of what happens in this world is contrary to God's perfect will, yet he's permissive. He permits evil to continue for the time being. Someday it's going to be done. The enemy and all of his junk is not going to have any more um, effect on people because he's going to be 
cast into the pit of hell forever and ever. Can't wait for that to happen. God does not cause sickness, but he does allow it. But here's the good news. You aren't that person out there in the world who doesn't know any different. You're not just a happenstance person out there in the mess of the world anymore. Remember, you've been delivered. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, you have been delivered out of the power of darkness and you've been transferred into the kingdom of the Son of His love. As a child of the Most High God, guess what? This is your inheritance. This is your inheritance. The will of God, the perfect will of God is your inheritance. Everything in the Bible, it's your will. It's just like if, if somebody passes away and leaves you a will and you know about it and you receive it, it's yours. You can take it to the bank, literally. This is your will if you are a child of God. All of God's promises are yours. They're in the bank. But just as money sitting in the bank won't buy you anything, won't buy you a new car unless you withdraw the funds and make the purchase, the promises of God's word won't result in healing unless you receive them, unless you believe him. We're going to be talking a whole lot more about receiving, believing in the next few weeks. So today what we're going to address, foundation four, are some causes for sickness and disease. This isn't an exhaustive list. And I will say this, and I will say it every day. If you ask me every day, I have given up my right to understand. I don't understand. There are big questions that I have. I've given up my right to understand. What I believe, what I know, what I trust is that God's will is to heal. That God's perfect will is to heal. With all my heart, I know it. I might not always understand things that I see in the world. But I know God is good. That I know. And I trust him with all my heart. But right now I'm going to go through five different things. I think five, five or six things. Maybe four. <laughs> Why things happen in the world. And this, I believe, will free you to know that there are reasons why there's a lot of junk in the world. Number one, I think is the, the biggest the issue, is that we need to know. People perish from a lack of knowledge. There's a lot of people that don't know what we're talking about. How many of you didn't know this at one point in your life? Yep. I did not know that it was God's will to heal until I was diagnosed with cancer, and somebody told me. If somebody hadn't told me, I wouldn't be here today. So let's look at what the scripture says. Will you go to Hosea? This is in the Old Testament, kind of near the end. So if you start in Matthew and go backwards, you'll find Hosea. Chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And this, the first two words are my people. This is addressing the children of God, the Israelites, the, the chosen ones. He wasn't talking to the heathens or to the people that weren't part of his chosen ones. And he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. God is saying in the scripture that people perish 
from lack of knowledge or because they don't receive it. They reject it. And that's in your Bible study. There's some blanks. People perish from lack of knowledge. People perish from not receiving knowledge. And people perish from not applying knowledge. A lot of people never haven't heard the truth that you're hearing right now. That's why it's so important to be that person that tells them or to bring them to illness recovery or to give them a card or to share a book with them that you know teaches the truth. Because not everybody knows. But they also have to receive it. Um, I, I don't have time to tell this whole testimony, but I have shared the gospel not very many times, but I've shared it a couple times where people have chosen not to receive it. It breaks your heart, but it's their choice. You tell them the truth and they, some people choose not to receive, not to believe and receive it. So you have to receive it. You, you need to say, okay, God, I might not understand it here, but I'm going to receive it here. I remember the time that I led my principal to the Lord. And it was one of those instances. I had been telling her she, she walked with me through having stage 4 cancer and being healed of stage 4 cancer and falling in love with the Lord and being baptized in the Spirit and just growing into a new person. She saw that happen. And she was, it was Jesus made visible through what I was living through. And she had so many questions. And we would sit and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. But she is a very, very intellectual person. And she would sit there and she'd say, Cindy, I ha I, and I'd ask her, I would ask her if we could pray for her salvation. And she'd say, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just not ready. I just don't understand it. I need to think about it more. I need to, you know, research this some more. And I would say, Denise, you're never going to understand it up here in your brain. You've got to just believe it in your heart. And she just, I said, but that's okay, you know. You go do your research, do your thinking, do your whatever. And it was about, I don't know, maybe three or four months later. It was early in the morning, and she came to me kind of nervous acting. And she said, Cindy, do you have a minute? And I said, yeah. And I mean, I'm in school. I figured she had a question about whatever, you know, something that I was working with her with. And she said, come, come into my office. So I went into her office and sat down. She closed the door, and she said, would you pray that prayer with me? You know how cool it was to sit in the office of a public school, the principal's office, and pray the prayer of salvation with her? She made the choice to receive it. She didn't understand it intellectually, but I presented the truth to her. I, she saw Jesus in me. She saw the invisible made visible. So she had the knowledge you know, of the word. And then she just chose to, she chose to receive it and pray the prayer of salvation. The third step here is applying the knowledge. As we go through the Bible study that we're, we've just started, there are a lot of application steps, like the one I showed you today about reading those accounts of healing. There are a lot of things where you can take God's word and apply it. And that will lead you to receiving what his best is for you. So lack of knowledge, receiving knowledge, lack of, not, of receiving it, or lack of not applying it are all reasons why sometimes people die. They may be really good people. They may have giving hearts. They may give a whole lot to charity. They may be a really good mama. They may be a really hard worker. 
But if they don't know God's word, receive God's word, and apply God's word, they may still die before their time because they don't know to receive the healing. Good people can die. That's a big question. Why do good people die then, Cindy? They're not bad people. Well, maybe they don't know the truth. Maybe they don't receive the truth. Maybe they don't apply the truth. Okay, that's the first reason. Number two is the fall of man. We're going to spend our whole next session on it, so I'm not going to spend much time tonight. I just want to read this little paragraph. When Adam gave his authority over to Satan, sin entered the world. And over time, sickness came as a result of sin. Sickness is simply a part of the fallen world. We're going to talk next week about the whole uh, authority thing, where man had authority in the garden, they gave authority to the enemy, but Jesus won it back. Problem is, the enemy's still here, and if you haven't received Jesus, the enemy's still here. So because the enemy is in this world, that's another reason there's sickness. We learn our authority as believers, but even believers don't always know their authority and exercise it. So that's another reason that sickness is in the world. Number three, and we're going to spend our whole next session on that. Number three, the oppression of the enemy. And this kind of goes right along with number two. Oppression means the unjust or the cruel exercise of authority or power. Notice the word unjust. If you're a believer, the enemy does not have dominion over you unless you give it to him or unless you unknowingly let him have it. Let him have dominion over you. But he is in this world with oppression. He doesn't want us to be glorifying God. He would much rather have us sick so that God's not getting glorified and so that it's causing confusion in the Christian world. The, the enemy is the author of confusion. And he wants confusion. He wants stuff being stirred up, saying, oh, that good person, that holy person, was sick and passed away. God must think it's his, you know, that must be God's will because that person was holy. Oh no, that's a lie. It causes confusion. The oppression of the enemy takes truth and twists it until it looks really true, but it isn't. It's a filthy lie. I'm going to show you a few scriptures that prove to you what I'm talking about. The first one is 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Sorry, I'm in 1 Corinthians. Okay. But even if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden obscured and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds. Notice the God, the word God is in a small, lowercase. That's referring to Satan. That's referring to the enemy. The God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' mind that they should not discern the truth 
preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and the likeness of God. The enemy's blinded unbelievers. And until they receive Jesus, they're in the dark. I have, I don't know about you, but I have evidence of this because before I was saved, I would read the Bible and it was Greek to me. Huh. And I wasn't even reading it in Greek, I was reading it in English. But I didn't understand it at all. I would, you know, I would just read it because I was checking something off my, you know, thing, my list of things. Okay, I have to read the Bible. And I did when I was like a senior or a, uh, in college. I read the New Testament cover to cover and I said, check, did that. I didn't get anything out of it. My mind was blinded. God had, or the God of this world, the enemy, had blinded my mind, prevented me from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel. Oh, now I read it. Just that verse alone is alive to me. That's what God does when we know him. There's a light on it. It's illuminated. So the enemy has blinded us. That's the oppression of the enemy, has blinded unbelievers. I would like you now to go to 1 John 5. You might want to write this one in your Bible study. 1 John 5, 19. And this is what it says. We know positively that we are of God. And the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. Another scripture that talks about being a child of God or being under the power of the enemy. It says that we know that we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. Look at out there. Look at what you hear on the news. Look at what you're seeing Oh my God, there were a couple of things on the news this week that had me in tears. You probably know some of the things that I'm talking about. I think, oh God, it just broke my heart. It's because they're under the power of the evil one. Please turn with me to John 17, the Gospel of John, or if you just want to look up on the screen... You might want to because we're flipping to some scriptures real fast here. John 17. This is some good news. Verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I am not of the world. The point I'm making is that yes, Satan is the little God of the world. But we are not part of it. We live in this world, but we're not part of that world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Say that with me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, than that enemy. John 10.10. 10. I'm going to just put that up there, Ken. I'm not even going to turn there. <clears throat> the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. There's that line in the sand. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy. The woman that I was ministering to last night, the one who had the healthy baby today, um, had some just questions in her mind that were the enemy, totally. I'm not going to 
be specific, but they were, they were totally of the enemy. She was asking herself these questions. And I told her this scripture. And I said, you tell me which side of the comma is what you're talking on, on or which side of the period. Well, it was definitely the thief's job description. What was her fear? And I said, that's not God. The second one is God. Life and life abundantly. So anything in your life that is in the area of stealing, killing, or destroying is of the enemy. It goes under the oppression of the enemy. That's another reason for sickness and disease because the God of this world is out there. And if you don't know better, you can receive it. You can buy his stupid lie. Always measure it with that stick right there, John 10, 10. Is this stealing, killing, or destroying? Or is this abundance of life? I choose abundance of life. Say that right now. I choose life. Say it. I choose, life. I choose abundant life. I do not receive stealing or killing or destroying. That's the enemy. That's a lie. I receive the truth. I receive abundance of life. I receive the light of Christ, not the darkness of the enemy. Amen. Okay. And the last scripture that I want you to add to this is John 16, 33. And it says in the Bible, I ha Jesus is speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, and undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. <laughs> Yay, God. <laughs> Yay, God. Yay, God. He has overcome the world. He's deprived it of this oppression of the enemy. Yeah, it's there. We saw according to the Bible. Yeah, it's there. It's in the world. But if you know your position and you know your authority, then the oppression of the enemy has no power over you. This last statement. Thank you, Kent. This last statement here. It's my husband. When we are sick, this is what oppression does. The quality of our life is lessened. Do you agree with that? When we have a chronic or a terminal illness, it can cause people to question God's goodness. You ever seen that happen? Mm -hmm. Satan hates God. Sickness and disease help him in his war against God's goodness by weakening us so we can't build up God's kingdom. Do you see the polluted, diluted, convoluted junk that the enemy's trying to make us believe? And people are believing it. And they're thinking somehow, some way, that God's being glorified through their sickness. That's a lie. If you attribute to God the work of the enemy, if you say, if you say, this is God's will for me, you are blaspheming God. You are attributing to God the work of the enemy. You're saying God did this. When it isn't God, it's the enemy. And you might do it with a holiness 
And it's a lie. And the enemy, that's what he wants you to do. That's the oppressiveness of the enemy. He wants to twist God's word around and so that people will believe that that's somehow God. That's a lie. It isn't God's will at all. God isn't being glorified through sick people. Now, he can turn things around for glory. I was sick, and God was glorified because I was healed. But he wasn't glorified when I was sick. He was glorified when I was healed and was able to tell other people about the goodness of God healing me. And the same thing with you. Okay, one more. Turn to... Actually, two more. (laughs) Sorry. This one I don't even have a scripture for, but we're going to go into great depth with number four later on in our Bible study. But another possible cause for sickness and disease is disobedience to the word of God. We're going to be talking about this in great depth later. And when I was going through this, my husband wanted, he always asked me if we need to um, change any slides. And really, I should have had him change this one. Just one word, though. So I'm going to read it with the change in it. Sin is yielding to the enemy. This causes your heart to become hardened and insensitive toward God. And you give the enemy legal entrance into your soul. The enemy doesn't get it on his own. But you can give the enemy unknowingly, you wouldn't do it on purpose, but you can unknowingly give the enemy entrance into your soul or your body. In my case, before I was diagnosed with cancer, I had callousness in my life around my heart. And I'm just going to give you one example. It was one of the examples was idolatry. I didn't give God what he deserves. I had a lot of idols in my life. God was nowhere near number one in my life. My job was my, was my biggest idolatry. I was a workaholic. And that's where my heart was. And that's where, you know, that's, that I just, it wasn't right. And that caused me to have this callousness around my heart. God wasn't first in my life. I, he was on my checklist, my weekly checklist. And the only thing that I checked off was, I went to church, done, done, done with God. That opened a door for the enemy. I unknowingly opened a door. So that is one of the openings for sickness and disease. And the last one, we're going to spend a lot of time on that later on. But if you want to talk to the ministry team about it, feel free. We will talk to you about it. Good news is, we are free from all sin because of the blood of Jesus. Past, present, and future. Sin has no effect on our spirit. Zero. We are made perfect. We are in a position of righteousness. But I want to live with the full abundance of everything God has for me. So we just, when we know it, we can take action and apply what we know. And the last one is the law of sowing and reaping. So I'm going to turn to Galatians chapter 6. This is our last scripture for tonight. Galatians 6, verse 7. Verse 7. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Another cause of sickness and disease is the law of sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow. In the Amplified it says, For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. If you sow corn seeds, you're going to grow corn. You're not going to grow tomatoes. You're going to grow the seed that you sowed. And when we sow seeds in the spiritual realm, that's what we reap. The words that we speak are very powerful. The actions that we take are very powerful. In my case, I sowed words unknowingly about skin cancer. I spoke about it all the time. I, I, I called it in to myself. I said things like, oh, I know I shouldn't do the tanning booth. I could get skin cancer. I know I should wear sunscreen. I could get skin cancer. And I did. I have a niece, beautiful, beautiful young girl, and I was out on the boat with her last summer or the summer before, and she said the same thing. And I almost jumped on her and <laughs> stuffed a, something in her mouth. I said, Melissa, no, 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 no. And then I lovingly told her my story and, you know, and said, no, don't say that. Put the sunscreen on, honey. But don't speak those words. So I, I spoke words. Second thing I did in the natural, I didn't wear sunscreen. We reap what we sow. We have to take care of our, the temple that God gave us. So in the natural, we need to do our part too. If God gives you direction with something, you know, with Kent, he's been, he's totally changed his, his, his diet and the way he drinks water and some of the foods that he eats because he had some stuff going on his body. And instead of going and taking medicine, not that there's anything wrong with medicine, there isn't. But he said, my first choice is to take care of my temple. So he changed his diet. He took some stuff out of his diet. He put more of other foods in his diet because he, he's going to reap what he sows in that sense. So we need to take care of our bodies, but we also need to watch our words and the words that we speak. So we reap what we sow. So there's five specific things that you can kind of look at and say, wow, didn't really know all that. Now, that being said, I'm going to just make one more statement and then we're going to turn on some music and let the Holy Spirit ha take, have, have his way. But in the scripture that, in Philippians that says to pray, um, bring all your requests to God, pray with thanksgiving and he'll give you the peace that passes all understanding. I believe that part of that gift of peace comes from giving up your right to understand. So when you're in that questioning or when you're in that confusion of, of the why question, you know, why haven't I received or why has somebody that I love not received, go to God, pray, thank him for taking care of you and say, I give up my right to understand God. I'm just going to trust you. And let him take care of you. 
right in that position, right in that place that you're in for this time. He will. He will take care of you. He will reveal to you if you ask him. If you have any questions, ask him. But then just put, put those things aside and say, God, I trust you. Childlikeness. Childlike trust.